0: Welcome back to Mastering Metail's Target Masterclass season. Mastering Metail is a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. So far in our target season, we have covered an overview of Target and our capabilities, content and the organic search algorithm, media on target.com, and now you're in for a doozy. Measurement and modeling. I'm just kidding, it's not a doozy. It's actually really insightful and understandable in this episode. I am your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel Digital. In this episode, we're going to discuss the process of actually establishing an API with Target, ingesting that data, and bringing that information forward to our teams and then our clients through our different measurement and modeling tools. Let's meet our guests, and you might remember the first one from his multiple past appearances.
1: I'm Corey Hammond, and I'm the Vice President of Retail Enablement.
0: And if you want to know what the Vice President of Retail Enablement actually does, you'll just have to go back to episode one of this season.
2: I'm Amanda Kelly, the product owner of Retail Execution at Flywheel. Essentially, what that means is that I work to prioritize and deliver features and data within our application that help our clients better understand their digital commerce performance. Perfect. And I already know that the last thing Corey purchased
0: from Target is a dish rack, unless it has changed in the last two hours, but
1: (laughs) no, no time to purchase during the workday.
0: Amanda, that brings it to you. What is the last thing you have purchased from Target if you shop at Target?
2: Oh, I do shop at Target. I always go in for one thing. I come out with eight. So it ranged from toothpaste to wrapping paper the last time. Very nice. So multiple things in an ordered.
0: And then digital wish list. This one's going to come back to you, Amanda, as well at the end and solely you unless Corey has multiple things on his digital wishlist that he wants to bring back. But what it means is just something that lives in a virtual cart or a tab or something on your computer or phone and you won't actually purchase it. And then when we get to the end of the episode, we'll go through why. Awesome. Sounds good. So let me set the scene for this episode. We mentioned in our first episode in the season our ability to offer full retail and media services to our clients on target.com. And we talked about what those services are but how did we get here? We don't often talk about our own backend operations all that often, but the journey on target.com has been an innovative process for us. So I asked Corey to tell me about what this process has been like. At the end of the day, a specialist like me gets to use our app to discover and present insights to our clients. But people like Corey and Amanda are the actual power behind making the app that I need to do my job actually work.
1: One of the key parts of focus for the retail enablement team is to figure out how targets, backend system works. And through all of that research, what we discovered is that there are ad hoc tools available to vendors in which they can pull sales data for both in-store and online. But being that the online and in-store data is available, that means you're dealing with millions and millions of rows of data. And when we're trying to do deep analysis for our clients, we discovered that the target systems themselves were unable to download the data for us. So we had to find a solution in which we have an API that is available from target and build into that API and pull out sales data at scale. And so once we did that initial discovery, we realized that my team we are not capable of building an API connection. And then that's when we reached out to Amanda and her team and started working on a solution to automatically pull sales data for our clients and then visualizing that on the front end.
0: And Amanda, can you tell me with more elaboration, what Corey just said about your team (laughs) and what you're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we were thrilled when Target came out with the API, but what needs to go into that as that next step is more of that research and development. So one, let's understand the API. Let's figure out what we actually want to pull from it request what we want and figure out how to store it. So for anyone unfamiliar with like an API, it's kind of like going to a restaurant with like a big menu of maybe 30 options. At the end of the day, you only want three things, your app, your entree and your dessert. It's kind of like what we're dealing with the API. There's a lot of data, a lot of capabilities that we have from it. How do we understand it, locate what we want and then pull what we want and have the waiter deliver it back to us? It's kind of like what the data team has been working on for the past few months. And I saw this bullet point about
0: our data lake, which, you know, it gets mentioned here and there. And I am so I just think of water with some numbers in it as a data lake. But Amanda, can you tell me more about what that
2: means and like how that ties into all of this? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a single location where we are able to store data from a ton of different sources. And what makes it really convenient is that because we have data from different sources, we can easily tie them together when we're looking at different models. So it's easy to access the data. It's easy to tie the data together and derive better insights for our reporting from it. Can you tell me about, have there
0: been any kind of challenges or difficulties along the way, specifically on this target project, or you can take it more broadly if you would like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So whenever a new API feed comes out, at the end of the day, we understand APIs, but each API is different. It's not one size fits all. So as Corey mentioned with his retail enablement team and what our data lake team really dove into is understanding how target's api feed differs from some of the more sophisticated apis that we're used to dealing with across the board so it's understanding how do we learn about this api to get what we want and then once we get what we want how can we use that data to build out the reporting that's really intuitive for our brands to understand how their performance looks week over week month over month perfect i'd love
0: to get a status check on like where are we at on our journey to wherever we're going and then maybe what is the wherever we're going? What is what is the big picture with what
2: we're doing? Our first priority is always to make it easy for our teams to have the data that they need to make informed business decisions. So what we've been doing so far is making sure that once we've tapped into the API feed, how do we deliver that data to our teams in a really easy way? It's a super complicated process on the back end side to make sure that we can support the API feed and save all of that data We don't want any of our brands or any of our users to care about that. We want them to just access the data as soon as it's available and be able to drive strategy for their client teams. So in terms of where we are now, and Corey can speak more to this, is trying to build out what is that future state to build out more of those visuals that help our teams really understand what's the current state of the business and where do we go next?
1: Yeah, where I get really excited is because of my background on Walmart.com, we dealt a lot with omni-channel sales. So same story, you've got in-store sales, online sales, and now more recently these Omni sales where the sale starts online and it's fulfilled in store. So not only does it get more complicated with just walmart.com, but imagine how much more complicated it gets when you integrate target.com sales as well. So stitching together sales across multiple retailers is really what I'm excited. And it's something that we're working on right now with Amanda and her team and the Data Lake team. Uh, and hopefully we can have this uh, up and running and available to our customers in the coming months.
0: And I know how cool that sounds, but can you kind of describe it maybe for like a client that's listening to this and is kind of like, okay, these are kind of like familiar terms, but what does that actually mean for me, a client who's within our platforms and trying to like put together a full picture?
1: Yeah. so. The way I would imagine brands currently functioning today is you have teams that are siloed by retailer. They are accessing data in isolated environments, and they're not able to pull together the entire narrative as to how am I doing in this world called e-commerce. If an executive were to have access to data across the board, That was aggregated to something that's really easy to understand such as inventory levels and purchase orders per retailer you can imagine how much quicker they can come up with actionable insights they can reach out to the retail teams much quicker and be proactive rather than reactive so the evolution of e-commerce is going towards this proactive way of working but they can only do it if the data is readily available in a single place And that's what we're trying to do with the data lake.
0: Amanda made a point that her team works to get the critical information in front of clients in a simple way. And I wanted to know more about the specific features she and her team are working on that
2: bring that sentence to life. We're figuring out how to consume the data in a way that's easily understood by others. So if you were to pull the raw data from an API feed, more often than not, someone's going to look at a string of text uh, numbers and letters and not really be able to make as much sense by it. So some of the initial backend work that we do is make it more readable and understandable. The second thing, though, is that we know that there's a power to having raw data, but there's even a better opportunity if you can create these visuals that don't just show you the current state of what's going on but what does that trend over time looked like so the way that we think about a lot of the reporting that we build out is how do we break it down so that you see those high level insights for the period that you've selected and you can start diving deeper what are those categories or brands that are driving that performance what are the individual products like those hero products that are really driving that performance as well And then when you have all of those ways to focus in on what that performance looks like, you have a better way to understand what's going well, what's not going well, what are my competitors doing in my categories on site, and how do I shift my strategies moving forward? So it's all about creating the data that goes into these easy-to-read visuals that give our teams a quick way to understand what's going on and what do I go after next.
0: Now, the DC app. A mission-critical element of our business, but something that has yet to really be mentioned on Mastering Metail. Way back when, in the retail episode of our Amazon season, Danny Hoffman mentioned Fila, which was a previous version of what is now the DC app. But for anyone unfamiliar with our DC app or for anyone who wants to hear how our product team actually describes their product,
2: this is for you. So the DC app is a one-stop shop for a brand to understand how can they execute on media and retail strategies? How can they review those performance analytics to understand what that is looking like over time? And then with that flywheel effect, knowing I've done this, here's how it worked out, here's what to go do next. So it's a combination of different buckets of reporting that give you a glimpse into here's how my advertising performance looks like. On the retail side with my organic efforts here's how everything's going and then we also have some of the search insights layered in as well that help you to understand what is the competitive activity what does that look like on site we have a few key objectives first of all there's a ton of data a ton of markets a ton of retailers that we have access to so Part of our priority is to understand from these APIs that we have access to, what are those core business metrics that our brand should care about? What is actually driving that performance? And how do we bring those different data pieces together to help them make the informed decisions that they need for their business? Second piece is helping to speak the language of our brands. So with our custom catalog capabilities, we're allowing them to build out their reporting in a way that's meaningful to them so that when they're looking at reporting, It makes sense. They can hone in on what they care to focus on and they can get the insights that they're looking for in a really quick way. Also building that thoughtful UX. So understanding how we can show the trends over time, allow our teams to dive deeper, to gain more insights, to know what's working and what's not. And then beyond just pulling data and populating it in the application, how do we actually marry together different data sets to create better insights, better models that are going to speak to what's correlating to your sales performance and different opportunities that you have to attract customers on site? Perfect. And so,
0: Corey, I'm tossing it back to you. What is like dream state of Target's existence within the DC app for our clients?
1: I always oversimplify it to even the data science team and all of the amazing product folks within flywheel where i simply say all right so here's all the data here's the api now let's just throw it into the dc app and now there's a toggle on the top right that just says go to target and it's never really that simple it never is and so we want to work towards a situation where you could toggle the dc app to target how we get there is very complex because the headers in the API file are different than what's on Amazon. In some cases, there's less data available on the target side compared to Amazon. Amazon is well known for having glance views that doesn't exist on target. And so we have to decide which tools are we going to tackle first within the DC app and create that one-to-one match in terms of uh, data visualization between Amazon and target and go down that path and build the roadmap and make sure that we're building an actually scalable, a truly scalable visual that can apply to the hundreds of clients that use the DC app today.
0: Last but not least in this episode is modeling. Our data and product teams have been working for a long time on building out models based on data across retailers. But what models actually exist and how
2: do we take the data from the data lake and build out models specific to target? I think one of the models that comes to mind that we have for the Amazon retailer right now is the sales correlation model. So if you think about the customer's path to purchase, there are a variety of things that influence your sales. You have to make sure that customers can find your product. When they go to your product on site, they like what they see. People are rating and giving it good ratings and reviews. The price is right. You have inventory to sell your product. That being said, I just listed off five or six different things there. What actually influenced my sales? Was it that my title looked good? Was it that my price was right? Was it easy to find within search results when I looked for chocolate on site? All of these things come together, but it's really time consuming for our teams to understand what actually drove that sales performance in a positive or negative way. And based on that insight what do I do next to boost that performance? So one of the really key things that we do is try to work with our data science team to build out these models that have a lot of rules in place on the backend side, So instead of having our users go through eight different routes to figure out that answer, we can provide a report that once you click apply, it provides all of those answers to you on the front end. So as we become more familiar with the target data, the landscape of the site, et cetera, we're hoping to use our learnings from Amazon and other retailers to build out that same intuitive experience for our teams. To finish up this episode, I asked Corey and Amanda if there were any
0: last words or key takeaways that they wanted to share.
1: The amazing work we're doing around scraping is something that should not be taken for granted. On Target, we're not just scraping one store or one zip code. We're able to scrape eight different regions across the U.S. And you can imagine how valuable that is for, re- for vendors who are just getting their foot in the door at Target. If Target says, okay, you get into 45 stores in this region, it's useless to use a scraper that's in a different zip code. And so for us to be able to have that targeted scraping capability is really, really valuable to both the account manager and also for the vendor to tell a strong story to the target buyer and explain why they deserve to be in stores nationwide.
2: A key takeaway from my side is that we're thrilled to have the Target retail data available from an API. Traditionally, many retailers have not provided us with this same data, so it's really exciting that Target is providing us with this data and it's really helping our teams make informed decisions, but really being able to Validate that the advertising strategies you're implementing are working alongside those retail metrics is really key for our teams to be able to service our, the brands in a really productive way. And of course, to fully wrap us up, we're back to our digital
0: wish lists. We're back to the digital wish list, Corey. I'm actually gonna. St- Do you have a second thing on your digital wish list? Is there a backup to like the really nice tennis racket?
1: I mean, if we stay with the theme of tennis, I live in New York City, and the cost of playing tennis here is pretty crazy. So I'd say the digital wish list is just a membership at a tennis place <laughs> because I can't play tennis here.
0: I like that you built on it. That's, that's an expensive one.
1: I have to fly down to Florida to see my brother and we go to public tennis courts and play down there. So that's just another reason why I'll never be good at tennis.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of obstacles in
2: the way on this one. All right, Amanda, what about you? anything within the home decor department. I love seeing what can I put on my coffee table? What can I put on my balcony that truly only fits two chairs and a rug, but I wanna throw an extra couch and a table out there as well. So the reason that those items are still on my wish list is there's only so much space, but a girl can dream. I love it. Maybe one day you'll have like a balcony that like has a whole covering and everything. You can fit a table out there. Maybe one day I'll have a yard and that would be even better. I can have a couple of tables and all that.
0: You have made it to the end of our fourth Target Masterclass episode of Mastering Metail, which means there is only one more to go. I believe in you. You won't want to miss out on it. Retail and media data points. And of course, you should listen to the whole season too, and reach out if you're interested in learning more on anything you're hearing in this season. I've been your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel, with sound design by Enos Tenji. See you next time.